John. 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 201 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. And sports. Oh, I'm Joel. <laughs> and I'm Josh. And I once repeatedly insisted that I had a sonic screwdriver, but people informed me that I was just dumping vodka into my cherry limeade at a drive-in, and that's not what that's called. <laughs> that is a drink. Oh. One of several. So, yes, we are finishing off our Doctor Who duo show. Finish um, him. Finish him. Which is, no, that's a different thing. You know uh, what I was, before we get started, you know what I was thinking during the intro? How no. Joel is right. It, <laughs> shut up. Joel is right. I think it's funny that of the three things that are referenced in our theme song, we've only done a show on one of them. Yeah. Why is no. that? Wait. What? I need to remake He Man for one. Oh, There's, okay. Okay. And Thundercats, you know, I guess well, it, the He-Man movie is in the works. Is it really? Thundercats already was remade into a new cartoon, and there's a movie being bandied about. We did the Goonies already, so yes, I think we needed to get on those two other two. I'm just saying, you know. well, yeah, well, it's like teasers. Did you say bandied about? Yes. Okay, yeah. just checking. I fully support bandying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Harumph. That if you're into, that guy. And if you're into bandying, you should check out the Podcast Collective, where you can find such shows as No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, I Am Salt Lake, The Portland Beer Club Podcast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Rad Dad. Yes. And the Leftfield Sports Lounge. Wrong network. Oh, sorry. Yes. It's a no network. I don't think they even exist anymore. <laughs> far as we know um so yeah certainly mentioned their show more times than they had episodes 100 percent, yes (laughs) one of these days (laughs) they they shall live on in infamy one of these days i'm just thinking one of those guys is actually going to listen to this show and he's gonna be like where did we get all this press (laughs) didn't realize we fired up yeah we could bring it back when we make it big and the movie is made i was talking about we'll have quentin tarantino play the left field sports lounge all of them? Yeah, why not? Sure. All right, so if you're looking for our older stuff, some more gold like this, uh, <laughs> you can find this on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse.fm, and NoonFM.com. If you'd like to give us a call, we are at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And give us a call. Patrick is lonely. When he's yeah. lonely, he starts cuddling things. Like By the spring. French crispy treat. Yeah, by things, I mean hairless cats. Those are cats? As far as you know. Now they're sticky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, on that note, any listener feedback today? Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe we had a little bit of chatter uh, on uh, the Facebook page, a little bit of uh, feedback on our first half of this Doctor Who show by uh, Mr. David Schollenberger. Oh. Uh, he said, a quick note, he said, uh, you know, when you see the Dalek come out of the hole in the ground in several shows in one of the new series that was filmed at the IBM building in Portsmouth, where my wife works. His wife is a Dalek. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) Uh, he also said the one villain I can't stand is the giant sheet of skin with a face. Really? The way to defeat her, take away her moisturizer. That is true. And uh, my favorite villain are the Weeping Angels. Holy crap, are they creepy, but I love them. That is also true. Yes, we're going to be talking at least about the angels today. Yes. Yeah. 
don't know if we're gonna be talking about Miss Whatcherface with the lips and the skin and the The that. Last Human. The Last Human. Did you get to that show, Pat? Last Human, big old No, but I did see an image still on the interwebs. Yeah. That, and that was fascinating because well, never mind. Yeah. I love her comment when she takes over Rose Tyler. She's like, Oh, I'm a chav. It's funnier if you know what a chav is. Yes. Mm. Lady Cassandra. All right. So that sounds like it's about this time. It is totally about that time. Mm-hmm. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports for real this time. <laughs> God. All right. So what's a chav? Uh, it's basically the British equivalent of sort of like cross between a redneck and a punk. Like you're talking like low trash, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely a like uh, working class. Delinquent. Yeah, working class hooligans. Okay, I don't feel dumb now for not knowing that. I did for. But a I usually think of them as being kids, like below the age of eighteen. I put them on potatoes. Mmm, sour cream and chavs. Tastes like Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> if you understood what chaps were, you'd get the joke. Oh, okay. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the This Weekend is set for March 26, 2005. It's a really recent one for us. Uh, this is when Rose, the first episode of the new Doctor Who, premieres. All right. Music. The top song was Obsession, No Molar. By Frankie J featuring Baby Bash. Like, I, I don't have any idea what song it is. Yeah, normally, like, I'm pretty tuned in to yeah, modern same. pop music. No idea what that song is. I bet, I bet you it's going to not be good. Mike's mm. uh, looking at it. I know. How much you want to bet? You say that about everything. <laughs> like, everything on this show. <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm usually right. Frankie featuring Baby Bash, right? Yeah. Yes. There we go. In the morning, and I still can't sleep. Thinking about your beauty, it makes me weak. I'm hopeless in my home. I win. You win. This time. <laughs> All right. Paul Hester. I don't Hester. recognize it either, so I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Paul Hester, drummer for Split Ends and Crowded House, committed suicide on March 26th and was promptly absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> Osteen. Curse you, Joel Osteen, forcing Paul Hester to commit suicide. Whoa. I think we just got put on a new list. <laughs> no, no. We've been on that list for a while. <laughs> uh, Derek William Plodre? 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 <laughs> Plowder? Are, are you trying to say his name, or are you having a seizure? What's oh, happening right. here? Plowder. Plowder. Say Plowder. All right. Anyway. I mean, it's, if it does Americanize it, Plurred. <laughs> Plurred. Eric William Plurred was an American drummer, guitar player, musician, and artist born in Goleta, California in 1971. Although best known as a drummer member of Lagwagon, Derek also played in several bands like Bad Astronaut, Jaws, the Ataris, Mad Caddies, and the acronym of the week, R-K-O-L-S-D. That's actually just Robert Kardashian on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> not a movie or a show or anything like that there's literally just was you <laughs> let him loose on him. stage <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's actually um, it's a, it's a pretty funny name for a band, uh, Rich Kids on LSD. So you were very close. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> actually, really close. <laughs> I like I mean, you almost nailed it. Ah, <laughs> uh, among others, that's a weird way to end that thought. Anyway. He was one of the most respected musicians in the modern punk scene. Aside from music, he was also known as being a skilled painter and gifted carpenter, appreciated for his offbeat sense of humor. As a prank, Derek committed suicide on March 30th, 2005, and was also absorbed. You know, it's funny because I was reading that. At first, I thought it said he was a skinned painter. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's an interesting method of painting. It's just a prank, bro. And then I actually read the last sentence and I, I, yeah. Yeah, that escalated quickly. (laughs) I was not expecting that. And uh, wow. All right. That's music. All right. In movies, after four and a half years of marriage, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Dude, I don't, I couldn't. If Jennifer Aniston ever married me, there would be no. I, w- I would reconcile the shit out of everything. <laughs> would just like to be the meat in that sandwich. Oh my, yes. Oh, Jesus. That was right after uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yep. Because it was uh, during filming that those two hooked up. Am I? Hmm. <laughs> also, guess who? Starring Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher, opens in first place in the box office, beating out Miss Congeniality 2, also opening this week, and knocks The Ring 2 out of the top spot. Oh, it's so terrible. Have you, have you seen Guess Who, Patrick? No, but I did see the original movie. Yeah, it's a comedic version of that. Yeah. Race switched and comedic version because that. I just, I, I just, I just don't think that that was appropriate. Like, I mean, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was such a. Uh, such a, such a strong moment in like the civil rights movement, and such a strong movie. And then to, like you know, I mean, that'd be like taking Schindler's List and making a comedy. I mean, I totally agree with that statement. <laughs> However, if I'm looking for appropriateness, I'm not turning to Ashton Kutcher or Bernie Mac. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> probably shouldn't have been done, but I can't say that I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. But yeah, you're. It was a shit week for movies, though. Good God. Guess who? Miss Congeniality 2 and The Ring 2? The original Miss Congeniality was actually pretty good. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, no, it's good. The first one is. I'm in love with Sandra Bullock. Describe your perfect date. (laughs) Coming soon in 2018, Schindler's List starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) And David Spade. (laughs) What? (laughs) Can you smell what The Rock's cooking? Oh, holy oh, dude, dude, just move past that to TV. <laughs> I've never heard that laugh like that. Oh that's God. fucking, that's the, that is amazing. I love that joke. I've never heard you laugh like that. <laughs> that's like, that's oh, one of the best jokes I've ever heard in my that life. Was, that was his Joel's going to hell now <laughs> laugh. That's my I now have company for eternity. So Barney Martin moving it along. Oh my God, that was fucking great. Was an American actor, comedy writer, and former New York City Police Department detective, best known for playing Jerry Seinfeld's father, Morty, on the sitcom Seinfeld. Because it's Jews that we're cooking. See, that's why that's funny. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I'm still reeling at Seinfeld. 
<laughs> Shut up, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to do Pope's anything. To make, ropes. I'm tr- <laughs> trying to distract Patrick. <laughs> He's still laughing. Oh, oh, my Jesus. That's funny. So anyway, this dude died on the 21st. of. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I will compose myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but nothing's funnier than Holocaust jokes, apparently. Oh, my God. That I'm sorry. That was so, Mark- so inappropriate that it was hysterical. <laughs> March 24th, the U.S. Anyway, yeah, Seinfeld's dad died. That's Seinfeld's sad. dad died. That was sad. I'm then so the old. office premiered <laughs> March 24th. Because run through this. Mitch Hedberg, stand-up comedian oh. extraordinaire who no, who uh, made everybody join the, the sandwich club. Um, <laughs> he died of a drug overdose on March 29th. Absolutely. Oh, it was I a shit. Yeah, need, a lot of death this week. A lot of, lot of death. God, it was a I mean, movies were shit. Everything was shit. This and we lost sucked. Mitch Hedberg. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of my, he's in my top five comedian, stand-up comedians of all time. Oh, he's he's hilarious. He was not so he much was. anymore. Now he's more of a laydown comedian. Yikes! <laughs> On April first, ABC News anchorman Peter Jennings anchors his final World News Tonight telecast. Four days later, Jennings informed viewers via tape segment that he had been diagnosed with lung cancer and was beginning chemotherapy. That's another pick-me-up from this weekend. <laughs> no kidding. March 27th, Grey's Anatomy premieres. It's not it's getting, just getting worse. Not getting any better. <laughs> First the fat boys break up, and now this. God. Okay, bring, bring us back with sports, Pat. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. On March 29th, Australia beat New Zealand by nine wickets in the third test at Auckland. They win the three-test series 2-0. to zero. Mm-hmm. My dad had money on that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be a good show. <laughs> Fred Funk wins the repeatedly weather-delayed Players' Championship on March 28th by one stroke over Luke Donald, Tom Lehman, and Scott Verplunk. <laughs> Verplunk. Boy, what? <laughs> At 48 years old, Funk is the event's oldest winner in his 32-year history, one year after Adam Scott became its youngest champion ever. And, and then he went on to be on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And then Verplunk. <laughs> Verplunk. We want the funk. <laughs> Gotta have Fred Funk. Ow. We want the funk. Gotta, Gotta be have Verplunk. <laughs> and lastly, this weekend, a bomb threat delays the start of the March 25th Indiana Pacers-Detroit Pistons NBA game in Auburn Hills, Michigan, by 90 minutes. In the game, the Pacers end up defeating the Pistons 94-81. to mm-hmm. And that's this weekend. Oh, God, it was off to a wonderful start there. Play, play us <laughs> off, keyboard, Joel. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> All right, so last week we went into Doctor Who, original Who, black and white Who, really kind of trippy stuff. Um, in 2005, the series was revived uh, with the episode known as Rose. Uh, this marked the end of the program's 16-year absence from uh, television following its cancellation in 89 when the first new Doctor Who story, uh, or was the first new Doctor Who story since the movie with Paul McGann, Gann, Paul McGann, that we had talked about in the previous show. <clears throat> so the final episode, Parting of the Ways, was broadcast on June 18th, 2005, the show was revived by longtime Doctor Who fan Russell T. Davies, who we had actually, we've actually watched his stuff before. Yep. What? Yep. What did we watch? We watched uh, um, 
Ah, uh, it was the f- the f- one that came from from Friends. Coupling. Coupling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was RTD. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he had been lobbying since the 90s to bring the show back. Uh, he first series comprised 13 episodes, eight of which were written by uh, Davies. Uh, Julie Gardner, Mel Young, also served as producer, and Phil Collinson as the main producer. Uh, this, again, as we know, it talks about the Doctor as a Time Lord traveling the world and the universe and time in his TARDIS at ni- in the 1950s British police box, which is still stuck on that setting. Um <clears throat> This one started Christopher Eccleston as the ninth incarnation of the Doctor, uh, accompanied by Billy Piper and the first and main companion, Rose Tyler, who he plucks from obscurity on planet Earth and then grows increasingly attached to. Mm. He also travels briefly with uh, Adam Mitchell. I don't remember that one. Oh, Bruno Langley. I remember that show, but he also plays also with one of my some of my one of my favorite characters is Captain Jack Harkness. Uh, <clears throat> travels around with him for a while, uh, and the that is played by John Barrowman. Episodes in this series form a loose story based upon the through the entire first season's recurring phrase "bad wolf" that goes completely unexplained until the very last twenty minutes of the last episode. <laughs> um. This also reintroduces the Doctor as a sole survivor of the Time War, in which the Doctor claims all the uh, Time Lords were destroyed, along with the Daleks. The premiere was watched by 10.81 million viewers, and and four days after the episode was broadcast, it was renewed for a Christmas special as well as a second series. Because they said... Yeah, and now and from that point on, there's always been a Christmas special every year. Really? They always have a Christmas special. Yep. Yeah, they're usually pretty big episodes. Like, why? Why would Christmas be a big deal to you if you if you can travel through time? Because you can go to Christmas anytime you want. Because there's always gonna we always get attacked by aliens on Christmas for some yeah, reason. Pretty much. Yeah, uh, and and there's some in it's not always on Earth. I mean the uh, the husbands of Doctor Song was a Christmas episode, and that takes place off Earth. Uh, but apparently, after ten point eight million viewers. They said, hmm, there may be some interest in this. And uh, they brought it back. The, let's see, well-received, it won a BAFTA award. And the most surprising was the approval from Michael Grade, who had previously forced an 18-month hiatus on the show in 1985 and had postponed Doctor Who out of personal dislike on several occasions. (laughs) What? Yeah, Michael Grade. Tell me about this, Joel. That guy's a dick. (laughs) Who Who is this guy? Michael, uh, hold on. My, he's Michael Ian Grade, Baron Grade of Yarmouth. He's like Scott up in Canada. Oh, I, I don't know who that guy is, but I don't like he's him. Gotta be a BBC guy. Yeah. Oh, he was he was in the Daily Mirror. And, oh, yeah. He's yeah. Well, a British douchebag. Okay. He's uh, he was British broadcast executive in '84. He joined the BBC <clears throat> TV as the controller of BBC One. There you go. Oh, well, there you go. I don't like this guy in the scarf of the hat and the things and that. I don't understand it. Uh, Voyage of the Damned also took place off Earth. That was, a, I believe, a Christmas special, wasn't it? With Kylie Minogue and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, Kylie Minogue. Um, so. And just to correct real quick, uh, I coupling was Moffat, not Davies. Oh, that's hey. right. So, take that off. We'll fix it in post. No. <laughs> no. Reverse it. Nope. 
totally not going to do that. So uh, some trivia. When David Tennant was approached to play the 10th Doctor, his first question was the enthusiastically, can I have a long swishy coat? Apparently the answer was yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, a potential spinoff, Rose Tyler Earth Defense, was proposed in 2006, but did not progress beyond the idea stage, partly because Billy Piper did not want to return to the role, partly because Russell T. Davies realized that it would render the goodbye between the Doctor and Rose at the end of the season two meaningless. And partially because it's an awful idea. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. Um, she actually went and on to... She went on to the, yeah, the, the Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Uh, and Penny Dreadful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, did she do that and, first? Uh, I don't know if she did first, but that's where I, that's one of the things I've seen her. She plays the Bride of Frankenstein in that one. I I and, remember when uh, the Secret Diary of a Call Girl. <clears> I, <throat> I liked I liked the book, so I went I wanted to watch the show, and I remembered all the press going nuts about like the fact that Billy Piper was playing a prostitute, and I was like, why? Who who the hell is this woman? And then we do the show, and I'm you know, it all kind of makes sense now. Like, yeah. Oh, she was like you know. And besides, Torchwood was cool. Yeah, I like Torchwood. You might like Torchwood, Pat. But we'll get into that. Uh, Hugh Grant, they went to him and said, hey, would you like to play Doctor Who? And he said, no, thank you. In 2007, he expressed deep regret. <laughs> for, for many, many things at that point. Yeah. At that point in his life, there were a lot of things he was regretting. On that list was not being Doctor Who. Um, he actually uh, played the Doctor in Comic Relief, Doctor Who, The Curse of Fatal Death in 1999. So uh, Russell T. Davies originally wanted Kate Winslet to play River Song, which I think is very interesting. But, uh, it would have been a t- different take on the character, but I think she could have pulled it off. Who is River Song? A companion? No, that's the no. wife. Doctor Who's wife. Yeah. What? He has a wife? Yeah, oh. I guess the episodes we had you watch, the problem with River Song is... Because she's out of sequence with him, she meets him at different points in her past to future as he meets her. All of them are confusing. You kind of have to watch two or three of them. Yeah. Silence in the library is her first appearance, and it's a good introduction. But it's also her her last appearance in terms of his life. Yeah. Pretty big spoiler, but yeah. Basically runs in reverse. So she's going one way, he's going the other way. and That's pretty cool. They meet periodically in the middle and sometimes yeah, uh, they have to catch up to make sure they don't accidentally spoil each other and uh, lock each other into, you have to do this because I told you you did it. Yeah. And she keeps a diary, which tells everything. Apparently. Yeah. Which is, and that's where the, um, it, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say it in the shows, but spoilers is become an, a recurring phrase in Doctor Who with those two. That's all right. It's it's good. I mean, if you try to one what once we tried to watch all the River Song episodes in order, and that got extremely confusing. You know, trying to do everything to cross them over so you can kind in of like watch order it. for like her life. <clears throat> in order for her life, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's uh, there's a couple like spreadsheets out there of like how to watch the episodes so that you can follow River Song through there. That's cool. But, yeah. So uh, Peter Capaldi insisted on no romance with his companions. His doctor, unlike his predecessors, the 10th and 11th doctors, did not share a romantic on-screen kiss with his wife, River Song. That's a super misleading piece of trivia, though, because his last scene with River Song was intensely romantic, even though they didn't make out. Yeah, he mm-hmm. never kissed her. He barely touched her. But yeah, it's... it's oh. I was... 
That was at the Singing Towers, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. I know that. Uh, the two-part season finale, Doctor Who, Army of Ghosts, and Doctor Who, Doomsday, in 2006, is the first time that the Daleks and the Cybermen both appeared and met each other on screen in actually a pretty hilarious uh, yeah, the Cybermen are like, we should join forces. The Daleks are like, no, you are inferior. You will, yeah, you will be exterminated. Yeah, the first one, identify yourself. You identify. Identify <laughs> yourself. The Daleks do not identify. You have just identified. It. It's, just, it's, uh, it's great. And Patrick's sitting back there. He's he's got it. He's muted. And he's just going nerds. <laughs> no, well, I am <laughs> muted, but you know. he's still laughing about the joke from earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, uh, I don't get them started again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. we're going to go through doctors nine through thirteen, including the war doctor. Yes. Originally, I had the war doctor first because reasons. Like technically, Paul McGann, the war doctor, is the way the regenerations go. But if we talk about the war doctor first, it is super confusing. Hmm. Yeah, so we're going more in chronological order in terms of when they came out in the series. Yes. So the ninth Doctor for uh, for our new seasons, Christopher Eccleston, with his nose and his ears, uh, came 2005. Companions were Rose Tyler and, for a while, Mickey Smith. And the story that we watched for that one was the episode Rose. It's an important episode. I honestly think it's one of the weakest of his runs, having seen it now three or four times. Mm-hmm. But you can't really, like, uh, touch on the new series without getting where it started. I know Pat likes to watch pilots and the last se- last episodes if he's going to watch a new series. Yeah. So it seemed like a good place to start for him especially. And Rose is still considered one of the most beloved companions of the current run oh yeah absolutely he needed at least one episode with her in it right and this is one where they bring the autons back the or the plastic men as they're also known as um you get this introduction to christopher eccleston's take on the doctor which is kind of like uh think back and back in your childhood really cool science teacher yeah, but also he's got kind of this angry biker thing going on, too. Well, and he's very, very enthusiastic. He's like, yeah, he's drank a couple of Red Bulls and he's he's <laughs> on hyperspeed. One too many bananas. Good. So is a potassium. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston, I, as I am actually really up, kind of sad that we never got to see a second season from him. Well, I mean, there's he will never reveal his reasons, and out of respect for him, the series creators who know his personal reasons uh, have agreed to not divulge. But he left the series and has decided not to do anything with it from here on out. Although he's spoken since then in in fond terms about it now. I mean, he's not uh, angry about it. He's just kind of separated himself to some in some regards. Um but it, it, the tone has changed a lot over the past decade. Now, this is funny because this episode with the Autons is actually the first episode that I tried to get the kids to watch back when it first showed up on Amazon Prime or whatever. It was probably like 2007, 2008 when it started showing up over there. So Katie was seven or eight years old. Um, they kind of freaked out by it. When the <laughs> started moving? 
Well, not when the mannequin started, but when one guy got eaten by the trash can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. One. Mickey gets at by the trash can. And, yeah. and he comes back as like a wax figure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's yeah, not quite, a, you know, a, an inflatable chair, but no, no. <laughs> Or you mean like or like like a collapsible beanbag? Really? Yeah, collapsible beanbag or circus freak. Uh, that was, but no. Then we eventually, uh, you know, we came back and watched it again, and I I think this one was a great introduction to this to bring the character back. You had a classic enemy, the Autons. You had the Doctor coming back with this super, like you said, super enthusiastic adventurer kind of um, like yeah very swashbuckler type feel to it and then bring in a almost immediately you bring in the companion who uh you know rose tyler is one of my favorites also technically the, the companion was even seen first yeah just saying. so no and you are correct now pat this is the first time you've seen this yes what did you think um hold on to your pee joel okay <laughs> i'm holding um if the first episodes that we watched for two, episode 200 had been anything like this, I would have been much more enthusiastic. I 100% am, I intend to watch all these episodes. Nice. Awesome. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and watching each one of the, you know, each one of the doctors as a progression, I, I look forward to watching it. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to, definitely going to check it out. I think I'm, I think I'm in. All right. Well, and this one was very kinetic, very fast paced and, and kind of set the tone for the series in a lot of ways. Um, Cause I remember the first time I watched it when I, when I finally came around to starting to watch the new series and I was like, huh, totally different show, but still the doctor. Yeah. And I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, the effects are obviously better. The, um, the enemies actually look ominous and, you know, not just like, you know, make me want to laugh. You know, I'm hoping when the master shows up, it's going to be, you know, someone that's not quite as laughable as the last master, that kind of stuff. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to that kind of stuff. Whereas when I was watching the first episodes, I'm like, let's just get through this shit. <laughs> oh yeah. You're going to like the master when he shows up. We got three different incarnations to go through during the run. Nice. Yeah. So and this is, and this is, I know we've made you watch shows all over the place, but this is definitely if any show you're going to watch Episode one, episode two, episode. Don't jump around. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch these in order. Um, and I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm happy because this is uh, everything. I mean, this does tick off almost every one of my, you know, interests. And there's no reason why I shouldn't have liked it. And I was actually very disappointed I didn't like, you know, the first, the first run of Doctor Who. But you know, this one is definitely much more up my alley. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. Well, maybe your experience will be similar to mine because when I first encountered classic who I didn't like it. And then I got super into new who, and then went back and watched the classic stuff. And with the context, I was like, it's still a little cheesy, but I appreciate it now. Yeah, maybe so. Cause I mean, once it, once it has it, I, I will understand its place in its own history. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Mm. Can I stop holding my pee now? No, keep pulling. <laughs> no holding. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to burn. <laughs> so, yes, Joel, you, you can be excited. I know you were hoping I was going to like it, and I, I very much did. Right now, cool. whenever we get to the prisoner, we'll see what I think of that. <laughs> You've seen the prisoner, damn it. So, uh, after the Ninth Doctor, Chris Rockleston disappears after the episodes that we were talking about before with the, um, the Bad Wolf episodes and reincarnates as David Tennant. 
2006 to 2010. He okay, I do have. To, I want to ask real quick because this this just ha- so it so happens that it never came up in any of the episodes that I watched. How does what's the deal with regeneration? Like anytime he dies, he just like like just wakes up as somebody else or what? How, well, do, they handle, how do they handle that in the show? In, in this show, it's more of a extravaganza. Like he light like a Highlander thing. Kind well, kind of. It light shoots from. His, his all of his his body like it not like explodes but like light shoots out of his head and his arms and his feet and as his body completely changes into something else basically his molecular structure changes into a totally new person new new it, taste buds new, does it happen like like on a, on a regular basis or just only when he dies it's or when he dies it's of old age illness injury okay right and he can he it during the regeneration phase while he's going through it like you find out with the 10th doctor while he's still regenerating he can lose limbs and they'll grow back during that period apparently oh, um, but it's so, so i guess that, that that's covers them for any they can cast anybody in anything then yeah and he's got hard. some limited maybe subconscious control over the form he takes he yeah. can't consciously all the time pick his specific face, but something in the back of his mind influences who he regenerates into. Which that, they've that's kind how of, they explain each individual personality as the actor, I guess. Well, and, and they've also because some of the people that played the Doctor played other characters on the show, like Colin Baker had played another character before becoming the Doctor. Peter Capaldi had played another character before becoming the Doctor. Really. So they Moffat wrote an explanation for that in some of the more recent one of the more recent series to kind of explain possibly why that's happened. So it all makes more sense. So he's doing the George Lucas retrofitting the universe to make yeah, sense. Basically. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of like, let's fill in some of the gaps to uh, firm up the continuity. And right. sometimes it's super satisfying. And sometimes it's like, well, you're reaching, dude. But and sometimes okay. it's midichlorians. <laughs> yeah. But basically, I mean, even though the entire body and his, his entire structure changes so that he's a new person in every sense of the word, his mind and his hearts and everything are still the same. And his memories. So, Right. Well, and his memories are like 90-ish percent. Some things get lost when he regenerates. Not much, okay. but something. Okay. Yeah, so it's still the same person. He just, I mean, like Capaldi's doctor wasn't a hugger, whereas, you know, some of the other ones were a bit more handsy, feely, touchy sort of things. And, uh, you know, just personality traits change. And so it it fits with the character that's playing the character, but it also gives him a chance to, kind of retain that continuity because it's still the same person he just and they've they've really gotten into that especially with matt smith regenerates you know the whole thing about taste buds change like one character may really be into jelly babies and then another one's into fish fingers and custard <laughs> so <laughs> it changes mm-hmm. so and then david Tennant shows up as the new doctor and we get an entirely new uh, over although in incredibly also enthusiastic version of the doctor. Uh, David Tennant is a little bit more studious. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's nerdy and he's incredibly lonely. Yes. That is, that is part of the reason why he keeps the uh, companions on is because he's been around for so long. He, he needs another person to be there with him. By the way, he starts to go a little bit bonkers uh, companions that he has has been Rose Tyler, Martha Jones, Mickey Smith and Donna Noble. 
Um, <clears throat> before we get into those, Patrick, you watched Blink. I did. What'd you think? It was really cool. Um, I really liked the whole DVD talking back and forth, uh, tra- you know, transcript, only mm-hmm. knowing what to say because it had already been written down in another. It was just very, I mean, that was really, really clever. It was really a smart episode. Yeah, it was a very smart episode. That's definitely true. And, and, the, and the concept of the weeping angels is, you know, I mean, it was a little bit like, I mean, it was, it seemed like a little bit uh, hokey at first, but by the time the episode was over, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I I love Blink. This was my introduction. I'd heard, I'd seen a cosplay of a weeping angel. I'd heard so much about it. I'm like, fine, I'll watch Blink. And then I immediately started watching a bunch of Tenant. I was like, okay, I, I'm I've jumped into the second chapter here. Let me go back. And like three days later, I've watched all of Eccleston and I'm caught up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and something about going back to the regeneration real quick. Eccleston's doctor is kind of forgetting that the time war happened. He's trying to kind of move on and, and doesn't seem to bring that up, even though it's kind of there. Whereas David Tennant's is coming to terms with that and kind of uh, starts pushing past it and you learn more about it. Mm-hmm. So there's a progression there with that. Also. Well, yeah, he's he's still living. It's like the first is living in denial. The second's living in regret. I almost think Matt Smith takes a step back into deep denial again <laughs> about yeah. the time war. <clears throat> so, Pat, do you know what? Have you picked up anything about the time war yet? No. OK, good. We're not going to give you any hints on this one because you got to learn this for yourself. Uh, and look at the bonus. Look at all the uh, costumes. You're going to recognize at uh, <laughs> Ben here. He's going to be like, oh. I'll finally be down to just anime that I don't get. <laughs> Same with the rest of us. So companions on this, this doctor, David Tennant, he travels with Rose Tyler, who we had known uh, before. Uh, I am a huge fan of Rose. She's oh yeah. Adventurous. She's uh, cheeky, starry eyed and cheeky. She's going, you know, following cute as a uh, button. Yeah, she yeah. is. And as we compare each of the companions to each other, with the exception of one we haven't gotten to, I recognize people who uh, are like these. I mean, Rose is the working class girl. Like, you've met her. She's got a job at a gas station, smokes too much, is constantly hung over. Her boyfriend's got too many tattoos. Her life is a mess. But she's still, a, at heart, a good person. Like, I, I've known rose three or four times throughout my life mm-hmm. and just made me forget what i was going to say about rose because i was thinking about thinking about rose and tattoos oh uh <laughs> one, one thing one thing i don't like i don't this is this, uh, this may sound nitpicky but man they put a lot of makeup on her every time she cries and she cries a lot there's always like these uh torrents of where her skin changes color on them. Yeah, I mean, if they didn't, it would sort of be uh, not true to her social class. Ah, that's true. That is true. I will. I rescind my comment. Good job <laughs> on making sure. Good job on making sure that it was it was correct. Well, just look at her mom. I mean, and that. Yeah. Oh, sums things up. I love her mom. Her mom is. I think her mom is Rose's mom is a riot, especially on the. Which episode was it where everybody was working a different section of the of the TARDIS? And he's like, Mickey, I need you to do this. I need Rose, I need you to do this. Mom, don't do anything. Don't touch a thing. Um, that was, I thought, 
Was that was that Matt Smith or was that no? That, that was that was Tenet. I'm just trying to think because uh, that was the the Doctor Donna episode uh, with Sarah Jane and okay. Uh, I'm trying to blank now. All of a sudden, well, I I know that she ends up in the TARDIS Turns accidentally in. during like the ghosts one, the the two parter. Journey's End is where that that two part story because mm. they were because uh, they, they had just escaped Davros and they rescued everybody and were in the TARDIS and madness ensues. Right. So, what do you think about the difference between the David Tennant and the Christopher Eccleston? I mean, we know that David Tennant's he's a little bit more obsessed with. redeeming himself for what happened during the time wars. But outside of, outside of that angst and that, that sort of thing, the, the difference in how he encounters, encounters uh, aliens and encounters people on the shows. Well, Tennant is my favorite doctor out of all 13. Like, and it's not close. (laughs) Well, he asked the question. I answered it. (laughs) So, like, I'm heavily biased, and it's not as though I am in the camp where it's only been good up to Tennant, and I didn't like Smith, and I don't like Capaldi. I like Smith and Capaldi. It's just Tennant will always be my doctor, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, why? Highlights. hmm? Highlights. You like highlights? Uh, Yeah, that must be it. For children? (laughs) Yeah, it's always the find the hidden pictures. (laughs) It makes sense. Justin Timberlake, David Tennant. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think Tennant is a highly cerebral doctor. That, I don't know. I, I I don't have a specific set of character traits that make him my favorite. Part of it is the episodes. Part of it is the way he interacts with his companions. He's he's very much like an Indiana Jones character. <clears throat> sure. Ooh, you know, that might, might have just nailed why he likes him. Also, I will have to say, just stepping back from the character, I think the writing is most consistent throughout Tenant seasons. Uh, Eccleston, they were still kind of figuring out the reboot, and it's good, but there's a couple spots where it's uneven, and the writing gets crazy all over the place. First, it's great, then it's awful, past David Tennant. Yeah, um, we're about to Matt, get into that. Yeah, when Matt Smith, ta- Smith takes over, Moffat gets to the heights of overindulgence but tenet is uh, to go back back to the uh the indiana jones comparison he's he's a very adventure he's very adventurous he's very smart like i said studious almost like a a college professor he's got he's quick with the one-liners he's good looking so you know but he doesn't play up to that like when the women are like the the old woman smack him on the ass and he's just kind of like what what is happening you know and he's kind of taken aback by it Mm-hmm. He's just got a lot of those traits where he's very fun to watch, but at the same time, he's and and be like uh, not violent, but you know he's got that that tendency that he could kick your ass if he wanted to, but he doesn't because that's not who he is. I'm trying to think of an example, but oh yeah, well I mean when they get into these situations where he has to give them a choice because he would never be the person that shoots first. He, he just can't do it. The time war scarred him so bad that he ha- absolutely has to give someone a chance to redeem themselves, even if it means he's going to die. 
Yep, and you see that uh, in the season finale without with uh, with him also with the. Uh, don't want to spoil it for Pat. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm uh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as as far as the new series goes, I mean, he's still for the majority of people is is their favorite and a lot of times their intro to the series. So he's kind of taken that Tom Baker place in the new series as being you know kind of the uh, the poster boy for modern who in a lot of ways i even have a cardboard cutout of him that i have down here in my uh in my studio so to speak very nice um martha was a kind of controversial companion and and i'm not even getting into the race issue a lot of people uh were let down it's like whoever had to follow rose it's kind of rough yeah yeah because rose was so beloved by everybody I love Martha Jones. I think she's awesome specifically because she's similar to Rose, but different in a lot of ways that matter. Like when she meets the doctor, she's got her life together or so she thinks. And she sees that what she thought she was satisfied, the life she thought she was going to have, there's so much more. And she instantly falls head over heels with a guy who will never return her feelings. And that her first episode was the one with the hospital on the moon, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and you're correct. I mean, it's where you, you kind of make this complete flip from Rose where Rose, like you said, she's, you know, a working, working retail, taking the deposits down to the basement. Her life is kind of in shambles. Whereas Martha was, she's working in a hospital. She's got a plan. Um, and you kind of see that for her in, in episodes as it goes on, as eventually she becomes the uh, head of uh, unit in one episode. Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? I don't know if she's the lead of unit, but she's definitely high placed in unit by the time yeah. she's married to Mickey. Yeah, she hooks up with Mickey and then there's then she winds up, you know, definitely making something of herself, even with the doctor being gone. I just love the two of them find happiness considering Mickey gets left by Rose and the doctor will never return Martha's feelings that, that they are almost a perfect couple in a sad, sad way, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. And, and you get to see exactly how much so in a particular episode, but, and then there's Donna who gets a lot of hate, but personally for me is, is one of my favorites of the, of the new who just because she's so, puts the doctor in his place and kind of sets him back on his, on his toes or his heels that uh, I like that interplay between them. So for me, that's, I mean, she's, she's my pick of the companions, at least that we're talking about so far. Sure. I mean, it's a rapid turn in direction. She is absolutely not swooning over the doctor. No, she's, no, she doesn't swoon over anybody. Well, Boy, she space man. When when I talk about how like I've met Rose and I've met Martha, I definitely have met Donna. Donna is even more familiar uh, from almost romantic comedies and other shows. And if you've worked in any office, you've got this lady who's in her late thirties who just can't get her shit together. Like she's constantly losing her keys. Uh, she's constantly going on bad blind dates with a guy she hates, and then she's still upset when he doesn't call her. And like the next day, eats a pint of ice cream while crying. Like that's Donna Noble. That's Nelly from The Office. She is. Yes, yeah. Nelly. Oh, I thought you were saying that's the character. No, I, I get it now. You looked her up to see. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's Nelly from The Office. Mm. Huh. 
So and she yeah. had her own show too. And so I commented that Donna is my least favorite last week. And Josh said that there was going to be words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh oh. He's not my most favorite, but yeah. I I traveling a lot, put a whole bunch of Doctor Who on my tablet and watched a bunch of Donna episodes. With that in mind, I am warming up to her. Oh. I am. I think initially, because when I started watching Who and started watching The Doctor, I was still working at Trader Joe's and Donna resembles in both attitude and shape a lot of the women that made my life hell when I worked there. <laughs> I complete. I'm with you on that. Like, would I like to sit down and spend a week locked in a room with Donna? No, hell I would. No, God, no. <laughs> but I like seeing her basically because we don't get a, a third companion in a row who's head over heels for the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Instead, think- she becomes more of his best friend. Yes, she becomes more of his best friend. A like you said before, able to call him out on his BS, able to call him out when he's getting cocky. Um. She's a flawed character, and the I think I think that I had watched those episodes when I was integrated into that all that retail BS, and now going back and looking at it, she's almost kind of tragic. You know, oh she's, yeah, her life is a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first episode she's working as a temp, uh, as a temp secretary for one of these huge corporations. I think she gets fired in the first ten minutes of the. Of the episode, doesn't she? I think she's working for a corporation that's uh, an evil organization that you like learn about during the Rose era. Oh, that's right. Are we talking about the adipose? Yes. Uh, Actually, I think when she's working in a temp, it's her Christmas episode. When she's in the wedding dress. Okay. With the uh, the arachnos. Yes. Yeah, that's a dark. That's a dark episode. Surprisingly, well, at the end, anyway, it gets pretty dark. When you think about what's actually happening uh, with the arachnos, but yeah. All right. Should we move on? Yeah, let's. All right. So 10th doctor, David Tennant regenerates into Matt Smith. I don't want to take a break. What's uh, that? Do we need to take a break at some point? I'm just checking. Let's take a, let's take a break after Matt Smith, because then we've got John Hurt, uh, Peter Capaldi enemies and, uh, Favorite companions. I just realized there wasn't one in the show notes. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's a good call. Yeah, Yeah, we'll we'll take a break after Matt. But uh, Matt Smith jumps on with the bow tie wearing, fez wearing doctor. Um, 2010, 2013, he was the doctor. Amy Pond was his companion since she was a little girl, strangely enough. That's uh, Rory Williams. Clara Oswald and River Song, and the storyline that was on our watch list was the Lodger. Uh, Patrick, being yes. the only guy in the group that has not watched Doctor Who, the Lodger. We, I know, all of us talk good stuff about the Lodger. What did you think of that one? It was really enjoyable. Again, yeah. I mean, I spoiler alert: I enjoyed every one of these episodes for the. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I, I that's why I want to watch it. I mean, I didn't really feel like there was like a weak point or anything. Um, yeah, I, the, the whole concept of uh, of it, it turned out to be like the, the, a hologram, you know, just a distress signal kind of thing. Was I thought that was pretty cool. Well, yeah. and that that all gets explained later too. But yeah, James Corden gets a sequel episode. 
Which well, I, think, I think is much better than this one, though. <laughs> I, was, I was very shocked to see him. I was like, what? <laughs> well, in the whole episode. I mean, I didn't, just, I didn't say it like that, you know, when it actually happened, but, you know. Is, is very comedic. And yet it still has all the earmarks of a Doctor Who episode, but it's it's one of those kind of almost like a Monster of the Week episode on the X-Files where it, it's it's strictly there for comedic purposes in a lot of ways. But there's other things going on that tie in with the rest of the season, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just and that, very solid. And that is one of the things you're going to learn with watching Doctor Who is as you, uh, if you progress watching it chronologically through you know, one, two, three, four type of things. There are going to be times where you watch an episode and you're like, all right, I got to go back and watch this episode because apparently there was, you know, they, they drop hints for things that are coming up in the future for the doctors in the episodes. And you don't realize that they're happening until you get four episodes down the road. Or things that happen in previous episodes that, uh, you know, were touched on and things that are going to happen in future episodes. It's all, it's all connected in some way. Yeah, the continuity guys on this show are have got to be. And you're uh, talking like you're planning years ahead for things. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys have got to be like drinking ambient shakes <laughs> to keep a keep alert on all this stuff. Don't mention the failure. Don't mention the failure. <laughs> <laughs> so, companion on this one, the oh, big hang one. On. Let's oh. talk about Matt Smith as the Doctor before oh. we get into the companions. Uh, Matt Smith, here's spoilers. Is my favorite. Yeah, I was about to say that it's definitely Mike's favorite because that's who we dress up as for Halloween. Yes, I have a fez. I, I think he's very talented. You get to see him show his range from this gawky nine-year-old walking around almost like a living cartoon to someone in an instant who can switch to this dude's seen some shit. And in that same in that same. I guess almost triangle. This guy, this dude seems some shit. Look at me. I'm wacky. I'm enjoying myself. We're having a great time. And you hurt somebody that I like. And you he where he can get dangerous real fast too. Yeah. Uh I why I love him, he is ugh, one, I love his banter. His his commentary, his talking all the way through it. It's there are so many times where he makes these great comments that are just like just below the lines themselves or just muttered under his breath. Uh, the character itself, <clears throat> I think, is he's on vacation is a great way to put it. When he's out traveling with Amy and he's like, let's go see this now. You know, let's go see that now, that type of thing. He's he's taking a break and almost and, and like you said before, Josh, he's ignoring the time war. Oh yeah. He's in deep denial. Definitely. And I think he's he, where uh you've got tenants doctor wallows in regret. Matt Smith is just like, if I keep moving fast enough, I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And occasionally it catches up with him. And that's when you see he's got this young face with these incredibly old eyes and incredibly old expressions. That's the thing that's kind of interesting to see about that character is that even though he's so incredibly young, you can still see you can still see all the years. Yeah. I think it's a shame doing. that some of the writing does not support him. Sometimes the doctor wins because the doctor is awesome and that's not always enough. Yeah. And I think that, um, the, the subplots in these are some of my favorite ones. Uh, the one with the, the whole crack in the wall 
Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it characterizes, since we're about to get into Companions anyway, the mm-hmm. crack in the wall char- is the center of Amy Pond. Amy Pond is a girl with daddy issues to the nth because meeting the doctor as a little girl literally shaped every moment of her life, fucked her up, took her family away, altered her life. And she is selfish and huffy, not letting anybody get too close because she doesn't want to be abandoned again. And she dresses like a sexy police. <laughs> Just in that first episode. <laughs> it's, but yeah, Pat, Pat, you didn't, I, we, we didn't watch it. You didn't watch this episode with this one, but she actually meets the doctor when she's a little kid and they have fish fingers and custard. Not the sweet custard. It's actually a different type of custard. I looked up the recipe Um, because the girls were like, oh, we need to have fish fingers and custard. I'm like, you're not going to like it. (laughs) I mean, I'll say, don't make me don't make me make all that because I know you're not going to eat it. It's just going to aggravate me. Um, But yeah, there she meets the doctor when she's a when she's a kid. And just like Josh says, she has interaction with him. And then that changes her whole mindset. And it keeps jumping back to that point, that first meeting with the doctor with her and why she's so attached to him. Yeah. Have you watched all of his run, Mike? Yes. Okay. Because I don't want to spoil too much about how much the crack in the wall fucks up Amy Pond's life. And there are episodes where I don't like her very much, but I understand why she is the way she is. So I cut her a hell of a lot of slack. Mm -hmm. Because for point of context for Patrick, when he regenerates he crashes the tardis into her backyard he's just gotten into this new body he spends an evening with her trying different foods and trying to figure out who he is and they kind of have this nice little conversation and spend a lot of time together and then he says you know i'm gonna hop in my my flying machine and i'll be back in just a couple minutes and he doesn't come back for years and during that the course of that time she's patiently waiting for him to come back and starts building up this kind of mythos in her own mind about who he is. And when he finally shows up, of course, then everything goes from there. But um, never, meet, never meet your heroes is probably what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. But going back to that same episode in the 11th hour, talking about him and kind of how he can turn on a dime. I mean, there's that great scene where he's, he's finally going to get an outfit to go meet zero, you know, the Atraxi and confront them. And he's going through the hospital trying to find all his clothes that he or whatever he's going to wear for his outfit. And then he walks out and there he is in full costume. He gives a speech to the giant eyeball of the Atraxi and basically chases him off just by using words. And you can kind of see that he's ready to take that next step, but he doesn't have to because his reputation precedes him. And it's just a it's just a nice way to introduce that character and who he's going to be in the rest of the series, which progresses a lot from there. But yeah not my favorite but i definitely i I enjoy him a lot so then we've got rory's uh, sorry amy's fiance rory williams who could have been mickey part two but they wind up in the episode the power of three you discover that amy and rory are going to travel with the doctor Yeah, and the stuff, I don't want to blow it out of the water for Pat, but the things Rory goes through for Amy, like not everybody likes Rory at first. Almost everyone loves him by the end. Yeah, Mm -hmm. between the the, a good man goes to war and uh, what's what's the oh, the Pandora opens. 
yeah you you realize exactly what true love is um that guy yeah i think everybody kind of turned about face on rory and in, in that pandora opens episode it's i mean and, I, and i've never been a fan of either one of those characters and very much but i i can appreciate them and i i think i like rory a little better than amy I Honestly. hate Rory. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of hate, let's talk about Clara Oswald because I got some words. <laughs> okay, so Clara Oswald or the Impossible Girl, starts Souffle Girl, Souffle Girl, yes, starts showing up in the Doctor's timeline all over. Pat, he and he, she's always saving him. He starts to notice this, and you find, of course, they kind of tip on it in the beginning, and then. You learn more. You don't find out about it till the end of the season. But um, Clara, I think, is probably like she's, she's very cute. attractive, she's but not cute. <laughs> yes, That's... she is the prettiest of uh, probably all the companions, as far as I'm concerned, throughout all the series. And I hate her so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Moffat introduced this character and made her out to be this huge integral part of everything, and just kind of it just never played out the way that I think he intended it to, or if it is the way he intended it to, it just kind of fizzled instead of this huge bang. I mean, you can't put that much weight on one character. And I mean, it's kind of neat, the thing with the timelines, but it just, it just was too much. I've been describing the person who each of the different companions relates to up to this point. I can't do that with Clara. Because Clara isn't a person. She's like a bad fanfic. Like the person who somebody wrote a Harry Potter fanfic and they've got Gribbles McGee who is uh, shows up at Hogwarts and everyone says, oh, Gribbles, you're so smart. We all love you. <laughs> That's Clara Oswald. It's like... She... It's like Roy from, from The Simpsons. Hey, Roy. <laughs> Remember Roy? During the, the, uh, the, um, the Poochie episode? Vaguely, she's, she might be Poochie. She might be Poochie. <laughs> well, he was—he was their version you know, in, of the Sim. Never mind. Right. Forget it. Yeah, she's yeah. Frank Grimes. <laughs> That's the thing is, she she shows up, and if they'd gone somewhere with her, but she gets like three seasons of just being insufferable, arguing with the doctor, being short with the doctor, the doctor telling her, "Oh yes, you're always right." Her most interesting episode is the one where she dies. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't hate her, but I definitely don't like her in nearly anywhere close to any other companion, uh, at least of the new series for sure. And she just feels like kind of a lot of wasted time in a lot of episodes, which is unfortunate because they could have done something more with it. But he just too much, yeah. way too much, too yeah, much tuna. You you have to make give us a reason why this character is important. Give us a reason why the doctor respects her so much. Don't just tell her because I said so as the writer. That's what a fanfic writer does. I do think her introduction in the Asylum of the Daleks was pretty clever. When she was just the impossible girl, and then again at the very end when you're talking uh, what we'll talk about when we get to Capaldi after the break, the uh, whole face the Raven heaven sent hell bent trilogy of episodes. Heaven sent hell bent were, Oh, you're talking about still with, you're talking about Capaldi. Okay. That's Capaldi. Yeah. Those like her beginning and her end. 
I still don't like her, but she's a little bit more interesting. Well, the Asylum of the Daleks is a, is a really, I mean, it's, it's creepy. It's a really well done episode and it, it, on a whole it's, it's good. Um, and yeah, I mean, at, at that point when I first met her, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'd like to see where this goes. And then it, yeah, just kind of falls apart once she's actually introduced, which is unfortunate. Now, what about River Song? She's not technically, again, in this one, she's not a uh, companion. Yeah, she's kind of like the Brigadier. She's never really a companion. Right. I I like how they always go back to the prison that she's in to find her. Yeah. That's always how she's, you know, you know, it's that, you know, oh, you're new here, aren't you? You know, it's like next thing you know, she's escaped. Um, yeah. Archaeologist, criminal, murderer, professor, professor. Like yes. I fell in love with her in the Let's Kill Hitler episode. <laughs> Uh, Call back, yo! Um, <laughs> Rory episode. Put yeah. him in a cabinet. Or, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's kill. Let's kill Hitler was a great episode for me to 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 really start liking River Song. And the problem with this one is, is that we can really not say and anything more than how much right. I like her without destroying it for bad. Same thing with the Impossible Astronaut and, and the bookend. Like at the beginning and the end of the series, mm-hmm. River Song, I think, is at her most powerful when she goes from I'm just this total badass woman to completely vulnerable and on the edge of being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we get to see her do that three or four times throughout the se- various seasons she appears in. Yeah. Well, and one of the one of my favorite moments with River, who in this series, you know, the doctor and her kind of very it's a very awkward relationship but that sequence where uh i'm trying to think how to do this without giving anything away where she's taking on the silence and the doctor's doing his his thing and she's just shooting (laughs) while they're talking and it just kind of sums up their relationship and her character she's just this badass and he's kind of this awkward nerd who's saving the world and uh, they make a great pair i just love that scene and I love the fact that you get the distinct impression that while she is a genuine badass, some of her badassery is armor that she puts around herself because she is very, very vulnerable at her core. Oh, yeah. Especially I. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I discovered I, you can even ask Suzanne, Josh and Joel, I called it. Oh, on, what? Yeah. This backstory. Yes, okay. I called it. I called it twenty minutes before it happened. Um, anyway, oh God, Patrick, I just want to kick you from the call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just go away till after the break. No, 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 no. But no, you're, just take a break and watch about nine seasons of Doctor Who. We'll get <laughs> we'll wait. We'll, we'll get back. Um, one of the things that I did like about this episode was they come to the United States in uh, the Impossible Astronaut. Was that the episode? Yeah, where the yeah. where they're at the the beach or not the beach? They're at the lake and they're the diner the lake. and all that. Yeah, yeah. And what I what I love about that one is they're in Great Britain running around. They come to the United States and they're both wearing Stetsons and carrying a gun. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I am completely fine with you thinking that's the way we all are. <laughs> it's, we all carry six shooters and we all wear Stetsons. That's fine. You go back to Great Britain and think that. That's awesome. It's called a six gun. 
<laughs> nice Kalak on Saturday. Says the Texan. To a different podcast. <laughs> you wish to go back in the podcast? I do. That's meta right there, baby. Nice. All right. So Matt Smith, 2013, finishes it up. Next, after the break, unless there's anything you guys want to say about him? Nope. No, I think we've covered this. Uh, I guess we're going to come back and talk about the War Doctor and Day of the Doctor. Yes. Matt Smith, in the episode that I watched, reminded me of, like, um, if Uki had been done correctly. (laughs) What? Like he reminded me of like a, like a, a a much better version of Uki. That they had cooked uh, him longer. Than his... I would have liked to have hung out with it instead of beat up all the time. They cooked him long enough that his body caught up with his head. Yeah, exactly. That's what oh I think. Oh my happened. lord! <laughs> Fantastic. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Um, Don't get your shine box, Joel. So we're going to talk about the War Doctor, uh, played by John Hurt, 2013. In the moment, was the episode? Nope, Day of the Doctor. Day of the Doctor. Sorry, Day of the Doctor. Oh, the moment. Yeah, the moment was the uh, the weapon. Sorry. Uh, Day of the Doctor, Pat, and it's... Uh, I love John Hurt. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch this one, so it's driving him crazy. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to talk a bit about it. Uh, I'm probably the I, I, did, I looked up the war, uh, the war Doctor himself, and I read a little bit of the Wikipedia, so you're not going to spoil anything for me, I don't think. Well, probably the best place to start is that he almost was a character that didn't exist. Yes. Um, this concept of the day of the doctor was supposed to be the first three doctors. And, uh, I think it was at Moffat Joel who sat him down. I believe so. And Eccleston took a pass. Yeah. I mean, he almost sold him on it that they were going to do this crossover episode with all three of them. But at the end he decided he couldn't, he, he was not going to go back on his word that he was never returning to this and they were in a spot because it's a really good concept and they wanted to tell it and they're like well what if all along there's been this doctor in between Paul McGann and Christopher Eccleston and if we're doing the time war anyway it's a doctor that the others just don't want to acknowledge and he's one of the great actors of our time so they came up with the war doctor which also feeds into one of and they cast Pauly Shore. <laughs> they uh, one of the big problems that they were running up against that they actually had just resolved was that uh, basically the whole regeneration thing. There were only supposed to be thirteen lives. Mm-hmm. So the entire shebang that they had just gotten all these viewers on, they're like, "Wait a second, we need to keep making money." And if they're going to jam an extra doctor into the continuity with John Hurt, and spoiler, Tennant regenerates into himself once. (laughs) Yes. uh, Basically, they're out of regenerations to play with, so they had to explain that. And in a Christmas episode, they do. He he gets a whole bunch of extra one-ups. 
<laughs> Green yes. mushrooms fall from a crack in the sky. Yep. He wished for more wishes. Thanks to the Time Lords. Yeah, it's it's a little more complex than that, but without explaining, yeah, he gets a bunch of free lives. Yeah. So yeah. since Paul McGann and, and Christopher Eccleston, there was never a actual regeneration from one to the next, they could shove him in there conveniently and it wouldn't mess up the timeline in that regard. It was awesome in the little webisode, Night of the Doctor, that they actually got Paul McGann to come back and film the regeneration scene. Which he he's always been on board to come back and, and play that character. He's such a fan-friendly character, even though he had the one movie, which, you know, people don't think too highly of the movie itself. They like him, like like we talked about in the last episode. So it gave him a chance to come back and rehash that character and show the progression from the the dapper kind of uh, Victorian age doctor to this grizzled on the border of war, trying to decide what's next for himself. If he's going to go to war, if he's going to continue being the doctor. Yeah. And we get an answer to that. We get an answer to the fate of Gallifrey. We get a good look at the middle of the time war. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. we get, when we get John Hurt playing Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. I, I I will say this because it's a one shot with just him in it. As much as I like Matt Smith as a doctor, if they had done an entire season with John Hurt as a doctor, hands down. I mean, just the interaction that he has with the with uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith when they first show up and there's three doctors there. Uh, and he is so disappointed in the men he's going to become. <laughs> Yes, and he's like, "Why did we start?" Because there's this, there's this whole thing, Pat, where David Tennant taught, they describe, or is it David Tennant or Matt Smith? They describe time as this tiny, whiny stuff. That's in and Blink. Yeah, that's in, oh, that, that's in Blink. Okay, yeah, Tennant, yeah. yeah, and then, but John Hurt as War Doctor is like tiny, whiny. Why are you talking like that? You know, he's just like, are they? You know, uh, where the. Ah, uh, the uh, the these guards show up, and the doctors pull out their sonic screwdrivers, and they point them at them, and they're like, "What are you gonna do? Build a cabinet at them?" You know, Stop it's let's, waving them around like a bunch of water pistols. And when he first meets him, he's like, "Oh, are you the his companions?" And they're like, "Uh, no." Yeah, <laughs> he his, realizes it's that they're the doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when you get such an actor, I mean, there's there are a lot of episodes of Doctor Who that are candy. There's a lot of one, a lot of them that are just like one shot, a lot of fun to watch. But at the same time, I mean, there's episodes that <laughs> there's episodes, Patrick, where I've been sitting there watching and as they're finishing and I'm sitting on the couch with, with Suzanne and the girls, all of them bawling their eyes out at the end of it. It's just like, I'll just go get whatever it is I need to get out of here right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and but, then you've got moments like in. The uh, and it's going to be a bit of a spoiler without revealing a key plot detail, but the moment where you've got all of the doctors, including the shot of Peter Capaldi's eyes mm-hmm. in their TARDISes, it's just like, oh, stop! I can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> I was I happened to be this was right after I started at my current job, and I'd met two fellow Whovians who happened to be roommates, and they had a. a uh, 50th anniversary party at their apartment and it was all filled with Doctor Who fans and we were watching this together. Uh, we had you know a whole spread of Doctor Who themed foods so like fish fingers and custards although they, they weren't actually fish fingers they were cookies that were 
anyway, um, but we're all sitting around watching it when that scene came on. I mean, there was everybody. It's like it was like a, a Super Bowl where, you know, your team gets a touchdown. You know, everybody's like, oh, my God. It was like standing up and freaking out. And uh, they're like, no, it's 13. And yeah, it was just incredibly creative use of archive footage to get all of them into one scene. Yeah. Every single one of them. And, and then, of course, the the digital thing at the end was was also just kind of made your heart feel good. Yeah, it was very tasteful because they didn't want to go too far to show John Hurt regenerating into Christopher Eccleston, like recreating him with CGI. But they did just a little something around the eyes. Yeah, it was just enough of a flash that you knew who it was. And again, without giving away any spoilers, there's the whole scene with the curator where, I mean, again, everybody in the room was like, oh, my God, freaking out. And I mean, mm-hmm. I there's nothing spoiled there. You guys know what I'm talking about, but yep. that, that whole sequence was just, again, just the icing on the cake and then the cherry on top of the icing and then the sugar on top of that. And then Pat's Kool-Aid on top of that. And <laughs> I told you guys, when I watched this, that before watching day of the doctor, I thought the blank was the finest, the doctor who had to offer nothing would ever beat it. And then I watched day of the doctor and was like, okay, well, we have a new leader. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean the you you run the whole gamut of styles of acting from it. I mean, you start out with the Day of the Doctor episode with the wacky uh is it the Santarans? Not the Santarans. Who's the uh the ones that fake themselves and change shape? The Zygons. The Zygons. Where the whole the whole conversation this this machine goes bing when there's a Zygon nearby, you know, and he he uh, accuses the queen of being a Zygon because they've got her teeth wrong and all that. You've got that wacky kind of goofy conversation going on. But then at the same time, you have a, a conversation between the ultimate weapon and the one who's going to use it. That's that's part of the... I, I don't know if it'll, it'll spoil it. You'll probably forget it by the time he gets to it. But Pat, there's, <laughs> a, there's, there's a point where... They, John Hurt is going to the the war doctor is going to use this weapon to wipe out the Daleks and the Time Lords at the same time. The only way he can stop all this is to end it and end everybody at the same time. But the thing is, the way they've designed this weapon is it's sentient. So you come to use the weapon, and the weapon says, "Why do you want to use me?" Because. Yeah, and that's not an excuse. You have to you have to you have to give a rationale to the weapon on why using it is the best course of action. And it is such a plot line. It's such I mean, just through the entire show. I mean there's things going on between um Matt Smith and David Tennant and all that. There's the the overlying plot, but the whole conversation, everything involving John Hurt is amazing in this episode. And then you've got the the fantastic scene where they're all being held prisoner, and they talk about, you know, <laughs> too bad the Sonic doesn't do wood. Yeah, and they, none of you they, thought to try the door. Um, <laughs> that, uh, the uh, callback with Billy uh, Piper as the moment, like as terrifying as she is, there's some moments of humor in there too. Just like when he uh, he's really happy with her, he says, "Oh, I could kiss you," and she says, "Oh, that'll happen." Mm-hmm. No more, no more, no more. 
Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. I've seen that the most out of the new the new Who series. I've watched that one the most times. Yeah, for sure. So this is where I kind of break off. <laughs> it's a lot of people do, and it makes me sad. Well, and not not so much that I don't want to, but I ran out of time too. Um, I did get a chance to. I, I've seen the first few episodes with Peter Capaldi in them. I've seen uh, some of them. I've seen the uh, arrival of Missy. I watched uh, Heaven Sent as that was the uh, watch list oh, show. Yeah, I did get a chance to see that. And I do know Peter Capaldi from outside of this also. Like I said in the last episode, uh, Peter Capaldi plays the Archangel Michael, I think. He plays an arc. I think it's Michael, in um, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere TV adaptation. So I've seen him in that, and I knew of him before he started this. So I had an idea of what I was getting into with the acting. So 12th Doctor... The regeneration after the end of the day of the Doctor episode, Peter Capaldi steps in and has been the Doctor from 2013 to 2017. Uh, companions have been Josh's favorite, Clara Oswald, <laughs> uh, Bill Potts, Nardole. Nardole, yeah. And yep. Missy. I am only, see, that's how far behind I am at this point. I only know Clara. You know Nardole if you've seen The Husbands of River Song. Do I? He- Yes, he is the uh, bald android who works for River. Whose head gets put on top of the robot. Oh, yes, I do know. Okay, I've seen him yeah, once. He is a regular companion in this most recent se- uh, series. Yeah. And if uh, once you see the return of Dr. Mysterio, <laughs> you get to see him at the height of his powers. Um, and Missy is, is never a companion, but she's an integral role of all of... Capaldi's run. Yeah, like River, she's worth mentioning, even though she's not a proper companion. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame that aside from an interesting question at the beginning, am I a good man? Uh, they don't quite know. The writers are just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never really quite know what to do with that character, because again, we've talked about in the first episode of this, that everybody's kind of an analog of a certain doctor and he's kind of somewhere between, uh, Pertwian and a little bit of, of Baker later on. But yeah, in that first series, he's, he's very angry, not quite to the Colin Baker level. And he's very kind of trying to figure out who he is. And he's had a really rough regeneration. Um, cause he's, he's no longer young and he's not, touchy feely or seems to doesn't seem to be very humanitarian even in a lot of regards. I mean, he's willing to let somebody die for the sake of everybody else. Um, if, well, Dal- the, the episode, um, enter the Dalek, for example, mm-hmm. is a good example of that. And I think because of that, I turned a lot of people off. And of course there's the fan girls and the fanboys that wanted more David Tennant and, uh, Moffat went to go went another direction. And if you watch the the series nine and series 10, it just gets so, I mean, it's some of the best stuff that they've had. Well, nine has got some goofy uneven bits. Uh, I know a lot of people nitpick about everything Capaldi, the Sonic screwdriver becoming Sonic sunglasses is kind of dumb. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't totally on board with that either. Um, but I mean, I've, I've said this, I think in earlier episodes and in our conversations that he's my favorite of the, the current run. Hmm. 
Well, I I love the most recent, the series 10, where he's got Bill, who is as plucky and fearless a companion. We haven't seen a companion like Bill since Ace. And she's very much the viewer. She she's because she doesn't know anything about him. She knows nothing about any of it. And she's like, if you're a brand, she's like the brand new viewer that's just coming to the show. She's learning about everything just like in someone who'd never seen it before. And that fresh perspective is, is really nice. Cause when Clara walks into it, you kind of, it's kind of like, she's always been there at least in Moffat's mind. Well, Bill yeah. is brand new. She has no clue about any of it. And she's excited and she's scared to death. And she's, you know, goes through the full gamut of emotions. And meanwhile, Nardole is just wandering around making funny quips and doing his thing. And, kind of keeping everything together. He's almost like the nanny. And the thing that gets me about Bill is you get from her initial uh, introduction, that first episode, that she's always been a bit of an oddball. And then she meets the doctor and she's like, this dude's life is so much weirder than mine. I feel like I belong. And and just Pearl Mackey is just is spot on. I mean, she was brilliant casting in that role and just uh, the, the, the three of them together have a great chemistry as a trio. Agreed. We want to talk about heaven sent. Yeah. So Pat, you did say you saw this finally, right? Before you do get around to watching this one, Pat or no. I think he knew it himself. I did. Yep. Um, <laughs> this was the castle one, right? Yeah. 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 I watched it. Yeah. Kind um, of a horror mystery. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good. I think, Possibly it would have been much more poignant if I had, you know, watched it in in sync, in order, you know, like seeing the death, seeing why he was so emotional, and you know, all that kind of stuff, and blah blah blah. And so, and to watch him work through all this stuff, you know, it was it was a it was an interesting episode to watch, but it didn't like hit home like it was probably would, like I said, if I had more background on it. So when I go through them again and I hit it again, I'm sure it'll 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 be like uh, a whole new level. Just like how he ends up escaping like billions of years of practically breaking all the bones in his hand on that wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very, I mean, it just, I mean, like I said, it, it would be a lot, it's probably going to hit home a lot harder when I, you know, see it in context. And that is kind of the drawback of the way we did this is picking right. up the individual ones. Cause you, there is an emotional bond that you create especially with you know some of the previous ones that if you watch watch an episode it's kind of like if you watch the uh, firefly the movie before you watch firefly the tv series which is exactly what i did exactly <laughs> what i did yeah i mean and when when wash died i was like oh you know that was kind of sad but exactly. then i watched the season i watched all the seasons and i'm like son of a bitch i was you like know, oh that, that really sucked when he died <laughs> that, and now i get it um <laughs> I'll say, though, the one before is almost less important than the one after, because just today I watched the sequel to Heaven Sent Hellbent and just seeing what the effect of doing that for four billion years had on his mind and personality. Mm-hmm. The sequel is a really cool episode. It is. You got to get on that. I remember thinking that I was, I was like, I was like, how is this going to fit in with all the rest of everything? Like billions of years spent on this. So, yeah, it will be interesting to watch that. Now, what I like about Peter Capaldi and the in the con the difference between him as an actor from the others, uh, he if if in one one side of the needle you've got Matt Smith, the other side of the needle you've got uh, the War Doctor, 
yeah, John Hurt. Capaldi definitely falls on the John Hurt side of things. He's very uh, stage actor feel to him. You know what I mean? He doesn't have he doesn't have a movie star type feel to him. He has a dramatic flair. He has a I'm on quality. exactly. He's got the Shakespearean uh, drama comedy feel uh, in his acting style. I'm able to bet he played Puck at least once in his life. <laughs> well, go ahead. The other thing about him is that even though he's very um, straight laced and and very kind of curmudgeon in a lot of ways, at least especially in the early series, he's always got these one-liners that he throws in that I, I, I watch every episode at least twice when it first airs. And as I've gone back and watched him a third or fourth time, I'm still catching things that he said that I couldn't pick up on either because of his Scottish accent or because it was just so kind of under whatever else was going on that if you watch it with the subtitles and you catch it, he's got some really great one-liners, which are just hilarious, but the way he delivers them and the context in which they're given, it, it, you can easily miss them. You just said almost exactly what I was going to say. Cause he also throws them in almost in the middle of a thought. Mm-hmm. Like he'll be saying this big, angry, poignant thing. And then he'll mumble in the middle, something hilarious and then go on and finish his sentence. Yeah. And that's where that Baker per kind of combination comes in. And of again, I, I said this, I think in the last episode we did that his speech during the Zygon inversion, the second half of the Zygon invasion two parter, the speech he gives about war and, and everything is just, I mean, if you want some of the best of the best, that speech is just phenomenal and he delivers it spot on. Um, Patrick. Yes, sir. So looking over, I'm looking up his stage play stuff, things that he has played on stage. (laughs) Uh, He has not, doesn't look like unless it's not on here. He, 1974 is when he started his first uh, role. Uh, he in '83 he played John Lennon in a play called John Paul George Ringo and Bert. <laughs> oh, um, hey, Bert. Uh, he was an Othello, but he's not listed as a role in this one. But this makes complete sense. In 2011-12, on stage they did late, the Lady Killers, where he played Professor Marcus, uh-huh. which I think probably was a pretty damn good interpretation of Professor Marcus. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, you did that in high school, I bet. I'll stick with that. All right. <laughs> All right. He uh, was a musician. Anyway. Yeah. yeah he's been, he's yeah. been in a punk band before. Yeah, he plays guitar, I hear. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get they got to have a, have a Star Trek and Doctor Who crossover where there's a saxophone and electric guitar duet for some reason. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. I'm like, what? <laughs> so now now we are approaching uh the future doctor. The uh very, very controversial choice of uh Jody Whitaker as number thirteen. Yes. Which it's Doctor Who, not Doctor Lady. Which they've been banding again, there's the word banding. They've been kicking around the idea or or suggesting the idea that uh, you know, Moffat had started to casually throw in references to uh, male to female regenerations, and they got even more so in the Face the Raven two-parter when one of the Time Lords has has turned into a, a woman, and of course Missy, formerly known as the Master, has regenerated into a woman, and she references him 
when he used to be a little girl, the doctor, meaning he was talking about the doctor and, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion as, you know, when is he going to be a ginger and when's he going to be a woman? And it finally was announced here just two weeks ago uh, that she was going to be taking over the role uh, just about two weeks ago. And uh, the internet blew up. Yeah. A bunch of uh, morons collectively lost their shit. I, I'm not going to all over again. Yeah. I'm not going to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. <laughs> Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet. But Chris, Chris Chibnall has taken over now that Moffat has finally stepped down and everybody that was involved with the series was like, okay, if, if we're really going to truly reset this and have a new showrunner and have somebody take this in their a new direction, we're going to step down. So Missy, Nardole, Bill, Capaldi, of course, have all, all of their roles were wrapped up in a neat little package at the end of the last episode. And as the Christmas episode starts and they reintroduce David Bradley as as the first Doctor, who he, who he played William Hartnell in the in an Adventure in Space and Time movie for the 50th anniversary. He's now playing the actual Doctor in this episode, or at least that's what they're alluding to, unless he's playing the character, which I don't think uh, he's playing Hartnell. But and they're going to phase into this, and Chibnall's going to take it in a new direction. So it's it's basically like a, a new start to the show in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this Christmas episode, having seen the trailer for it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be very very upset to see Capaldi go, but I'm curious to see what Whitaker's going to do. I mean, I I it doesn't matter who's in that role. It's still the doctor and I I'm very curious to see what what this will bring cuz Moffat was starting to get I, I I don't hold hatred for him, but he was starting to kind of believe the hype and that he could do what he wanted and he just made some poor decisions along the way, unfortunately. Sure. Anybody's going to do that in the position too long. Well, and I liked her in Broadchurch. I liked her in Black Mirror. Uh, she's a competent actress. Uh, and I mean, uh, nerds just don't like being happy. Apparently, <laughs> It's just like they'll bitch if things are the same over and over again, but they'll bitch the instant you change anything. And you get into the whole sexism, misogyny thing. A can of worms I am not interested in opening on this show. And it just amplifies it. She was an attack the block too. Yep. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Yo, you need to. That's good stuff. It is really good. Plus I'm a fan of John Boyoga. So definitely want to see it. (laughs) Finn's in it. Um, Well, what's interesting though, is that, you know, my kids kind of casually watch, uh, you know, Isaiah loves the Daleks and, and Juliana um, recognizes the different doctors. Like if I am watching an episode, she can tell me which one they are in the regeneration cycle. But neither of them ever like got into it like I was. But when I showed her the trailer for the Thirteenth Doctor, and I I told her, you know, what had happened, she got really excited. And so for me, you know, maybe that's her entrance to the show, and what makes her a fan like I am is is she has somebody that she can relate to because it's another female. And for me, I mean, if that brings in a, a new generation, then I'm even more for it than just the fact that it's a new Doctor and curious to see what comes of it so it's kind of neat but i will miss missy just oh missy's gone way to spoil it for me man well like i said they wrapped up all their stories they didn't say how she's gone but everybody's everybody's stories wrapped up so potentially they could theoretically come back but they uh have essentially 
written them out of the show in one way or the other. And I didn't say anybody died, just that they are Not in their respective anymore. places. But right? you didn't say they didn't die, so... Now, what? <laughs> I, it, I'm not so, saying what happened to anybody. So, new villains. All for me. Meh. New villains. We, we only the, put the new ones in here. Uh, that's good, because there are a yes. lot of villains. Um, the Adipose. First appearance of Partners in Crime in 2008. Um, how do you really describe these things to Pat? Living fat. So, you take these diet pills... Were there diet pills? All I know is that your fat falls off your body and becomes sentient and runs away. Yes. It, it, Giggling it, like a little infant. It's <laughs> actually pretty stupid. The, yes, the fat comes I off take, that take pill. pills. But it eventually you turn into nothing. Yeah. Eventually. I turn into nothing? Yes. yes. Well, that's going to happen anyway, just speeding shit up, you know? <laughs> oh. First appearance of the Weeping Angels was in Blink, which we we all saw in 2007. Yeah, the most... Uh, how did he describe them? The most... Uh, Lonely creatures in the universe? Yeah, but they also... They're serial killers. Uh, they don't kill anybody, though. They're gentle serial killers. They let you uh, live yourself to death. Yeah, they just transport you to an, a time where you can't get back from and d- absorb your energy in the <laughs> process. And they've kind of lost some of their power over... Over the episodes, the more they've been seen, the less impressive they are to me. Well, mm. yeah, because they've also sort of violated the, some of the long-standing rules. It's, it's just writing. Yeah, they want to oh, bring them back. It's going to piss me off, I'm sure. Yeah, yes, there will be episodes that feature the Weeping Angels, and you're like, this is not consistent with what I know, and I liked what I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, uh, the silence first. Burn it down. <laughs> Impossible Astronaut 2011. I love the silence. Yes, they are creepy incarnate. Yeah, the the thing about the silence is as soon as you look away from them, you forget them. Mm, You're kind of like the opposite of the Weeping Angels. But they're always there just in the corner of your eye. And as far as the storyline goes, they've always been there, literally. Like, they've always been just behind you. Yeah, you're yep. constantly seeing them, but as soon as you turn away, you forget you've seen them. Now, the one of the coolest things about those episodes is when they start marking themselves for every time they've seen a silence. And little by little, as the show goes on, they've got like hashtags on their arms. And by the end of the show, they're like all up their arms on their faces. And they've because they've marked themselves every time they've seen uh, seen a uh, silence. But the silence, I think the whole entire storyline for the silence is fantastic. Yes. Uh, Ood, the Ood first appearance in the Impossible Planet. The Ood was kind of strange. They were a villain and they weren't a villain at the same time. Yes, they were only a villain because they were being manipulated. Right, a tragic sort of slave race. And uh, I love when their whole kind of plot wraps up. Oh, even though it's kind of sad, the timing of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, it hurts my heart. (laughs) Uh, The Autons come back. And the uh, only reason we mentioned them is just because they were integral to that first episode. Oh, yeah. They were the first the first villain that you see. Uh, Autumn's come back a lot creepier, and uh, they're not inflatable chairs, so that's always a good step <laughs> in the right direction. Well, and as Josh had mentioned uh, in the first episode, the nesting consciousness comes back as something other than the Autons. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there is the Vashta Narada, which I actually just watched this last night again. Who turned out the lights? Oh, that that 
who turned out the lights? That's good. That, that never thought that would become a terrifying phrase to me. Oh, they're, they're creepy as hell. And, and the whole, what they really are just, it just is, is incredibly effective. And that episode, it sounds in the library is the first river song episode as well. Right. I mean, if blink wasn't during tenants run, I would have pushed real hard for silence in the library to be the one we had Pat watch. Mm. They're, it, plus the design, the character design of them is is rather cool too. Yeah, yeah. And Pat will find out eventually why who turned out the lights is going to be <laughs> keeping him up at night. So favorite episodes from the ones that we watched. Oh, specifically the ones you watched, or just yeah. in general? Yeah, just keeping well, kids. This was so Pat can have a conversation with us. Um, <laughs> for the ones that we watched, what was your favorite episode? Um, I've already said Day of the Doctor is far and away the best yeah, out of the ones we've watched even though I, I love capaldi to an nth degree i mean the day of the doctor is just a solid hour and a half of television that is just screams for repeated viewing i can't wait to get to it yeah i would uh, have to go with blink yeah good choice <laughs> i i am actually going with blink also because as good as the I'm as copying. much as i i'm not copying you because I've seen the War Doctor. I have something to balance it out of against. As much as I love the War Doctor episode, and I love John Hurt as an actor, the cleverness of Blink just just appeals to me. You know, the whole, like like Pat said earlier, it was the building, building for the Easter eggs hidden in the DVDs. There's this whole mystery to how you find out about the angels. And like you said, Tennant really isn't in it. You know, you don't really see him at all in this one, but he still plays out as a major character in it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that the best Doctor Who episode, or one of the best, and the absolute worst one, almost have zero of the Doctor in it. I mean, when I talk about the worst one, oh, I'm talking yeah. about Love and Monsters. Yeah. There are episodes in Doctor Who where I was like, that was kind of dumb. I don't think I liked that. Love and Monsters is the only episode I watched of the entire series that its very existence made me angry. Oh, great. Oh. And a lot yeah. of people feel that way. Yeah, like if you're going to watch them chronologically, you could probably skip Love and Monsters. No, because you know I, I want to, I want to hear him yell about it. Yeah, because you know, you know, I love to hate things, so I'll probably yeah. watch it just to be able to hate it. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's, it's awful. Like I, I don't want to talk too much about it. I'll just upset myself. It's got great music in it, though, but it's cringy. I mean, even The Simpsons, one of my favorite shows, has you know had the Lady Gaga episode. So, all right, least favorite favorite companion. Uh, well, I think we're all kind of uh, probably in the same boat with Clara, I would guess. But is least favorite? <clears throat> well, I don't think Pat's met Clara. No, no Pat hasn't met Clara yet. Oh. Uh. That's tough because as much as I love Donna Noble, I, I I've really grown to love Bill, and I I don't know if it's because of Capaldi, but she I wish she would have had more time. Yeah, I, I want to say Martha Jones, but unfortunately, see Rose is one of those characters. It's like, am I going to talk about favorite characters in Game of Thrones and not talk about Tyrion Lannister? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> She's just too big a character 
that it's almost not an interesting question to me. It's it's Rose. It's always going to be Rose. Always Rose? I think so. Uh, for me, that's all Clara. I'm all about Clara. <laughs> that's it. No, uh, I know for the one I like, I still dislike Donna the most. Um, like I realize she's a flawed character. I realize, you know, her backstory, I realize all that about her, but at the same time, I, I get into these and it's one of those where, Hey, I really would like, you know, this is somebody who would like to interact with. I have no desire to interact with Donna at all ever. I as realize her, what her character signifies. And I think in dealing with her and watching her is like chewing on tinfoil, um and rose for my number one i like rose all right now what was the other one last question we got here favorite doctor patrick patrick's your favorite doctor no i want to, I want to <laughs> see what patrick, I want to see what patrick has to I say i think it's a, it was almost too early for me to say really i mean no, i think it really is you more than another although i um, guess blink doesn't really give you enough to go off of right I think it's probably going to end up being Tenant, but I mean, that's just a guess. It'll probably be between Tenant and Capaldi. Okay. Yeah, I've already answered this. <laughs> yeah, same here. My cast too, which is, I think it's interesting because you've got Tenant, Smith, and Capaldi, and I think Eccleston suffers from not maybe having enough episodes to to see where he would have gone, but it's interesting. We each had a different one. And Patrick is slightly undecided because he hasn't seen enough. Right. So next week, next week. Yeah. Yeah, We got through our our 200th episode spectacular two-parter on Dr. Who. So next week, snacky, snacky, snack, snacks. Yeah. Next week, we're going to take a less controversial topic and eat some (laughs) chips. (laughs) All about snack food. Now, not we did. We we've done fast food. We've done desserts. We've done all that other stuff. We're talking about snacks. Stuff that usually comes in little plastic bags. But we're yeah, not talking chips, about jelly popcorn. babies. Well, we talk. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about little debbies. Yeah, but like we're not, we've already done candy. We've already done. So we're going to try and keep to the stuff you might take with you on a road trip or have in between meals. Yep. Black pudding and that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mike. If they're looking to get in touch with us, where can they go? Yeah, if you want to uh, tell us uh, how we're wrong about uh, our favorite doctors or uh, you thought Love and Monsters was awesome or Clara was a well-developed character. You can go suck an egg. (laughs) And after you're done sucking sucking an egg, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Right. And if you're looking for our older stuff, uh, be on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and all sorts of podcasting apps and features and things. And stuff. So there you go. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to go get myself uh, I'm gonna get myself a bag of chips. Alon Z. Fantastic. Geronimo. Gallifrey stands. No oh. more. It's a fez. Fez. Fezes are cool. I wear fezes now. All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Spoilers. Goodbye, sweetie.
Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop doing that. So ghost doesn't have to do anything. 